Have you ever hired somebody that despite your best efforts of going through a rigorous recruitment process, they arrive when they start working with you, they're just not up to scratch. They're either just not a good fit for the team or they're not self-motivated or they don't really have that work ethic that you desperately want from everybody in your team. In fact, they're a bit of a B player and they actually bring everyone else down. I know I have done this many times and I'm always looking for a solution. How could I find, how could I weed out somebody who's you know absolutely fantastic from a group of people who are all average or even below par. And I came across a great resource. It was recommended to me by one of my clients. I want to share that resource with you now. It's a bunch of interview questions that you use in a live interview or in a group interview in order for you to really find out what makes someone tick and give you a really good chance of finding the perfect fit for your business. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Okay, so today I'm going to be going through a resource that's provided for free on a website called tablegroup.com. It's all about the finding the ideal team player for your business. And it's an interview guide with questions. And I'm going to just read those questions. It's a guy, a guy called Patrick Lencioni, and it's from his book, The Ideal Team Player. So if you're interested in learning more about this, I recommend you go and check that book out. And you can get this resource for yourself if you go to the website. I will put the links in the um, in the show notes, but you can then obviously just go there. It's a table group. So it's just tablegroup.com. Okay, cool. So this is a guide. It's his work. I'm not plagiarizing his work. I'm sharing it with complete, you know, telling you this is what he's done. So please don't think this is my ideas. I'm just sharing what's something that we find very useful in our business. I'm going to go and read through some of the things that he has put on this. I'm not going to cover every single question on here. If you want the full uh, insight into everything, then you'll have to go and check it out for yourself. Okay, so first of all, he talks about finding somebody who is humble. And he talks about humble team members that are quick to point out the contributions of others and slow to te- seek attention for their own. They share credit, they empathize team over self and define success collectively rather than individuals. And when I chat to Georges Verdes, who is the guy who shared this with me, he was talking about when he's interviewing people that he's looking out for people who use I in conversation all the time when they're talking about work rather than we. And it's a really like, quick way to actually think, is this person sort of self, uh, thinking about themselves all the time or are they thinking about the collective? Because whatever somebody does in a business, it's very, very rarely a single person's effort. It's usually a team effort, even if it's just the support that everybody else gives them. So very quickly, if someone's saying I, I, I in their responses, that's a good sign that they're not very humble. So here's a few of the questions that uh, Patrick shares on that resource. So first of all, describe your current team. What do you like and dislike? And here he suggests that asking them relevant, uh, asking a team related question, it may be apparent if she or she, he or she values the team effort and is willing to do what's necessary for the good of the team. He encourages encourage the candidate when you're asking them to describe specific interactions with college colleagues and experiences working on a team. The next question, which I really like is, what is the most embarrassing moment in your career or your biggest failure? And here you're looking for somebody who 
celebrates that embarrassment um celebrate celebrates that embarrassment or is mortified by it humble people generally aren't afraid to tell their unflattering stories because they're comfortable with the fact that they're imperfect and also for specifics of the real references to the to the candidate's own culpability so where have they where did they fail where were they culpable for the the failure and are they actually humble enough to actually talk about it openly and then follow on from that he suggests patrick suggests the question, how did you handle that embarrassment or failure? And here it's about accepting responsibility for the mistake and what they learned from it and hopefully what they actually did to change their behavior in the future to avoid it happening again. Um, next, one of the things, uh, the last one on the humble I'm going to talk about is, can you tell me about someone who is better than you in an area that really matters to you? I love this question is actually being humble enough to say, even when you're, you know, you feel something is so important that it's something that you are passionate about, that you feel you're really good at, that you actually acknowledge that there was always somebody who's going to be better than you. So you're looking for, Patrick suggests, candidates who demonstrate a genuine appreciation for others who have more skill or talent. Humble people are comfortable with this. Ego-driven people are not. So there may be you know, uh, examples in your own business already when you've got people that are very hard to take feedback, that are very hard to actually listen to others, especially colleagues, and especially if that colleague may be non-senior to them. Some people find issue with that, whereas a humble person will just be grateful for the any advice, any help they can get in order to improve. Cool. So the next part of this puzzle is finding somebody who is hungry. And Patrick describes a hungry team member is someone who is self-motivated and diligent. They're constantly thinking about the next step and the next opportunity. A couple of the questions that Patrick suggests are like, what is the hardest you've ever worked on something in your life? And the insight that he suggests you're looking for here is to look for specific examples of real but joyful sacrifice. In other words, the candidate isn't complaining, but is grateful for the experience. Again, it's a very good way to be able to see you know, is someone going to, you know, what they're going to cope like under pressure? Do they see that actually the result is worth the effort or do they see it as a burden if they get tasked with stuff that sort of stresses them out or, or whatever? And the question that I, I love here is what do you like do, to do when you're not working? So what you're looking for here is a someone who's got too many time consuming hobbies that suggest that the, the, that the candidate sees the job as a means to do other things. So some people like working they like actually having a career they like the what that, that does for their status internally but also externally as well and that's the kind of person that actually you want to work for you if you want if you're working with someone who's literally just there to get the money to go and do other stuff then actually that person may not be uh, a good long-term player because maybe if they get offered more money some, from somewhere else then they'll actually go and leave and he suggests other insights that patrick suggests are that um, this isn't to say that there is one specific kind of activity that's an indicator of not being hungry. And it's not to say that you're looking for someone who has no interest outside of work, but a long list of hobbies, extreme skiing, sled dog raining, storm chasing, shark hunting. There may be a red flag when it comes to someone who's not going to put in the needs of the team ahead of personal pursuits. So reading this, insights from me, reading this is an interesting one because, okay, I don't do shark chasing, but I do do some forms of extreme skiing and ultramarathon running. And I do have a lot of interest outside of work. So I would be 
challenging uh, some of this. I don't want to dig deeper into it a bit because, you know, I am massively passionate about my work. I work harder in my job than anything else, but I also have other interests. So I think, you know, this is just my personal insight that you've got to dig into it. And I think the other questions would then play into this as well. You'd find out from a combination of the answers. Okay, so next question he suggests in the hungry uh, arena is what kind of hours do you generally work? And I like this one because if people are like, you know, strictly nine to five, unless, you know, they have really strong commitments, so maybe, you know, they're um, a parent, they've got kids to pick up from school, they, they have no uh, option to to continue working later, whatever, or, you know, they have a res other responsibilities then that they can't get out of and, and they have to fit working around them, then fair enough. But he suggests that, um, if if they do have, sorry, they suggest that hardworking people don't typically just work nine to five. If they do, they're usually getting additional work done at home. That's not to say that people aren't stuck in a dead end nine to five job and they're itching to get out uh, and do something challenging. So that means that they may now be working nine to five job, but they desperately want to do something else. And if the candidate is satisfied with a predictable schedule, and talks too much about the balance, then there's a chance that he isn't terribly hungry. And again, it's not a litmus test, he says, but it's a red flag. None of this is to advocate that people should prioritize their work over their families, not at all. It's just that when candidate focuses a lot of the hours that are expected to work, they may not be the kind of hungry team player you need. So this is an interesting one because I talk a lot about work-life balance, about creating a career or a job or a business that serves you in a way that you can live the life that you choose. And I think even for my staff, I hold their um, well-being, I hold their freedom very highly. And it's one of our values is about actually, or mission in fact, is about giving people the lifestyle they deserve. And that's not to say, though, that people shouldn't work hard, because I think for me, hard work is part of having a good lifestyle, being rewarded internally, but also from you know other people and getting that positive feedback about the good work that you're doing and the change that you're making in the world is a bigger as it, it's a bigger play. It's looking at a, a, a different level of what it means to work. So I think that what he's getting into here, if I read between the lines, what I take from this is that you don't want someone who's watching the clock. You don't want someone who's turning up at you know, one minute past nine and leaving at one minute to five. You want someone who's actually hungry enough to go, you know, wow, there's a big bit, there's a big you know, project on the moment. I've got some deadlines to meet. I'm willing to put in the extra to get it done you know, on this occasion. And I'm going to work late or whatever when, when, when duty calls, you know, when you need to do that to help the team out, to be a supportive member of the team. That's what I think you really want. And that's what I think this will pull out you want to be able to get into that conversation about what will they do when the pressure's on. Um, because I'm not I'm not an advocate of someone working beyond their typical work or their paid working hours on a regular basis, because I think people do need to, to take time out. But I want people to actually step up when they need to. So that's what I took from that. I think it's a great question. Um, but I do also have some some um opinions on it, shall we say, as, as I explained. Okay, so that's all about finding someone who's hungry. And the third and final part is finding somebody who's smart. And of course, we all want smart people in our businesses. And so what Patrick describes a smart team player as is someone who is, a, I'll just read what he says here, a smart team, smart team members 
are interpersonally appropriate and aware. They have good judgment and intuition around the subtleties of group dynamics and the impact of their words and actions. So this here, I think, is a, a useful one, not only for thinking about your staff, but also your clients. Because if you're a coach like I am, or you deal with clients who may get to interact with each other, or they interact with your team, it's nice to have people who are actually self-aware that really understand the impacts of their actions and their words and the impact they can have on the people around them. Because ultimately, if somebody isn't, then they can be quite offensive, they can be rude, and actually that can cause disrupt and actually take a lot of time and energy away from serving that person, but also the rest of your clients, because you're actually now trying to deal with this, the issues that are caused by this. And we've experienced this personally in the past. So it's something that I, I do think is a really important and to get team players that really get this uh, and to actually understand this or not even understand it, just to do it naturally. Hugely important because you don't want your team basically upsetting each other. So these are some of the questions that he suggests. Have you ever worked with a difficult colleague or boss and how did you handle the situation? And the insights he says you're looking for are by asking the candidates about difficult work relationships, you'll learn if or she, if he or she can read situations and people and handle them skillfully. Next, how would you describe your personality? And the insights Patrick suggests here are looking for how accurately the person describes what you're observing and how introspective he or she is. Smart people generally know themselves and find it interesting to talk about their behavioral strengths and weaknesses. People who seem stumped or surprised by this question may not be terribly smart when it comes to people. And this is really digging, like going back to you know, my medical days and everything, um, and looking at different spectrums of personalities. Some people are naturally self-aware, and if they are naturally self-aware, they're often more empathetic, and some people aren't. And so understanding that uh, can be helpful, whether you know, for, the, for whichever role you're hiring for. And actually, when I was chatting to George about this when, we, when he was sharing this with me, we also talked about is the, are there certain roles where some of these skills aren't as important, so to speak, as others. And I think you have to be mindful that there may be brilliant people who don't have the highest level of um, sort of personal uh, self-awareness that actually could do a specific job very well, maybe a back-end programmer or something like that. And so, um, yeah, again, we've got to take this with, uh, I think, with the judgment of the person they're hiring and how they fit into the team. But that said, you don't want someone, regardless of their role, is totally self-unaware and that actually causes problems because of it, because it doesn't matter how non-customer based they are, they're still going to have to de deal with team meetings, interact with your, your other staff, interact with you, take feedback, be humble enough to actually accept that feedback and realize it's meant in a, in a constructive way, a positive way. And, you know, if people aren't able to do that, then they're probably not a good fit. Cool. Last question I'm going to cover from this is what kind of people annoy you most and how do you deal with them? So here, Patrick suggests that you're looking here for is the candidate candidate self-aware and their level of self-control. So smart people, he describes, know that pet peeves and that um, and they I'm going to start again. Smart people know their pet peeves and they own the fact that some of these pet peeves are their own issues. They also know how to deal with annoying people in a productive and constructive way. This I love because, you know, I think that I do find some people frustrating. I think it's just in my sort of personality, my ADHD spectrum brain. Um, and so I've had to learn to really empathize and understand that not everybody's the same. 
and that like by just wanting to surround yourself with people that are just similar to you, then you miss out on so much value in life. But that means that some of those people around you may actually sort of, you know, get into your skin a little bit. And how do you actually deal with them? I remember reading a great book um, a while ago. I can't remember which one it was. Sorry, it's <laughs> off my head. But, um, and it was talking about the speed at which you talk and how you should mirror the person you're speaking to. Because I speak quite fast, as you probably know, if you listen to this podcast. And I even got, I've had some comments on the podcast saying, oh, I wish you'd slow down a bit. Um, and I don't because my personality is my personality and you either love it or you don't. And you've always got that great functionality on podcast players to slow me down, to stick me at 75% like I do with my son who's you know learning English and from audiobooks. And I just slow them down to like 80, 85% so he can actually pick up every single word. And that's what I suggest people do. Because some people resonate with me because of the speed of my voice, because that's the kind of person that they are. They like that fast paced uh, influx of information like I do. Like I listen to audiobooks on typically one and a half, two, two and a half even times speed because that's the speed that I process information audibly, audibly if that's the right word. Um, and so, but what this made me realize was that actually in certain situations, like when I'm talking to a client, like when I'm actually um, speaking to somebody maybe about joining our academy, then I do try to mirror them. I do, I'm, I'm aware of the pace of their speech. And I try to mirror that to let them feel more comfortable and let them be more receptive. Because if they're getting stressed because I'm speaking a little bit too fast for them and, and they actually like things at a little bit slower pace, that's not doing any, either, either us any favors, whether it's in that environment of learning or it's that environment of actually understanding how we can help, then actually being aware of that. Uh, it's very helpful. And that's something, so I, I think this is a really good question because if people haven't got that skill, um, then it is something that can be taught because I definitely learned it. Um, but it's also if they already have it, then they obviously um, are a, you know, a top uh, player already. Cool. That's it. So that's the resource I wanted to share with you today. I want to thank uh, George for sharing this with me when he did. Um, it's all about the uh, hiring the ideal team players. And as I said, it comes from a website called tablegroup.com and you can get that as a free resource. I've not covered everything in it. There's more on there. And so go and check it out for yourself. I don't want to you know, take away the value that they've done. So go and check it out, download it and connect with them or even go and read the book, The Ideal Team Player as well by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, great book. And these are where those insights come from. So that's it. I've got a favor to ask today. Well, not a favor. I just want to, well, I want to share this with the world. So all I want you to do today is if you're on your app for a podcast, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, whatever you're on, you're listening to this episode, please just hit share and share it with your profile, share it with your colleagues, share it with somebody else who you think might benefit from listening to this episode. I think this episode, like how to interview brilliant people or get the right team players, like it's so valuable. It's such a hugely um uh, underdeveloped skill, I think, in business owners that I meet, that I coach. And it's something that I still work on today, every single day and every time we hire. I'm actually just hiring somebody new at the moment. So I'm looking forward to actually really using these um, as uh, using these questions, which are relatively new to me compared to, I think I can't remember the last time we hired somebody was a, a few months ago. And um, well, actually quite a few months ago. And so these are questions I'm like to actually adapt our hiring process and then probably bring them into some of our training as well, because I think they're absolutely brilliant. And I know that from George's experience, he's got great results uh, from using them. So that's it. As I said, please share this with somebody you love or like that you want to actually share something super useful 
and hopefully they'll get value from it and if you you might know if you share cool stuff with people then they actually like you more for it rather than the person that you're actually sharing so there you go have a fantastic day and i will see you next time okay. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Your Success.